Before we start today's podcast, a quick heads up on Sherlock's VIP club. From restaurants, bars and hotels to beauty, wellness and shopping, Sherlock's partners with some of London's best destinations and hottest brands to bring its VIPs exclusive monthly offers. So why not sign up? It'll cost you just £5 a month or £50 for the year. Use your card once or twice and you'll have made that amount back in no time. For more information, visit sherlocksvip.com. Time poor? Never get around to watching or reading the news? Aware you're not quite as on top of what's happening in the world as you should be? Well, the Daily News in Brief from Sherlock's.com is the daily email that brings you the scoop on the breaking news and current affairs you need to know about each day. In this weekly podcast, we round up all those stories into one neat episode. So subscribe, keep listening and stay informed. Welcome to the Daily News in Brief podcast. Today is the 6th of February and this week's main stories are Boris Johnson has pledged to end the early release of convicted terrorists after a recently freed prisoner stabbed two people in an Islamist attack. Sudesh Aman had been jailed in December 2018 on terror offences but was released halfway through his sentence on the 23rd of January. The 20-year-old was shot dead by police on Sunday after stabbing a man in his 40s and a woman in her 50s on Streatham High Road in South London. The man was taken to hospital in a life-threatening condition, but has since improved. The woman was discharged from hospital on Sunday night. A man had been under active police surveillance at the time of the attack. Responding on Monday, Johnson said he had come to the end of his patience over the early release of terror offenders and confirmed Justice Secretary Robert Buckland would be announcing changes to the system. Speaking in the House of Commons on Monday, Buckland said that under new emergency legislation, convicted terrorists will only be considered for release after serving two-thirds of their sentence. They will also need the approval of the parole board. The changes will apply to both current and future prisoners, Buckland added. The announcement follows reports suggesting concerns over the risk posed by Aman had been expressed at the time of his release, but could not be acted upon as there were no legal mechanisms to keep him in prison. The Law Society of England and Wales has voiced concerns over the government's proposals, warning retrospective changes to sentencing could risk clogging up an already overloaded system. The British government has revealed plans for a final flight to bring British nationals back from Wuhan. The central Chinese city is at the centre of a deadly coronavirus outbreak, which has killed at least 560 people. More than 100 Britons and their families have already been repatriated from the city. A further 108 remain in Wuhan's Hubei province and have requested help from the Foreign Office to return to Britain. In a statement released on Wednesday, Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab said the government would be chartering a second and final UK flight to help any Britons remaining in Hubei province to return to the UK. The flight is scheduled to depart during the early hours of Sunday morning and will land at RAF Bryce Norton in Oxfordshire. Upon arrival, those on board will face a quarantine period of 14 days at an NHS facility where they will be screened for symptoms of the virus. It follows advice from Rob urging any British nationals remaining in mainland China to leave the country if they can to minimise their risk of exposure to the infection. A raft of new travel restrictions were announced outside China this week as other nations attempt to limit the virus's spread. The US, Australia and Singapore are now denying entry to all foreign visitors who have recently been to China, while Japan and South Korea are denying entry to foreigners who have visited Hubei province. More than 28,000 cases of the infection have been confirmed in China so far, 
and at least 213 cases have been identified worldwide. China's leadership has admitted that the country's response to the virus has been impaired by shortcomings and deficiencies. The admission from the Politburo Standing Committee follows widespread criticism of the government's initial handling of the outbreak. Some officials have been accused of downplaying the virus's danger at the beginning of the outbreak, while others allegedly attempted to keep news of its spread under wraps. A spokesperson for China's foreign ministry has also warned that the country is facing a shortage of protective medical equipment, telling press during a briefing what China urgently needs at present are medical masks, protective suits and safety goggles. Fears over the virus have prompted consumers to stock up on single-use surgical masks and have left frontline medics reporting shortages of equipment. President Donald Trump has been acquitted in his Senate impeachment trial, ending a congressional bid to remove him from office. In a historic vote on Wednesday night, the Senate, which is dominated by Trump's Republican Party, chose to acquit the president on the charge of abuse of power by 52 votes to 48. On the second charge of obstruction of Congress, senators voted to acquit Trump by 53 votes to 47. The charges had been approved by Democrats in the House of Representatives in December, over claims Trump had pressured the Ukrainian president into investigating his potential rival for the White House in the 2020 election, Joe Biden. Senator Mitt Romney of Utah was the only Republican who crossed party lines to vote in favour of convicting the president on the charge of abuse of power. Democrats have condemned the Senate hearing as a show trial and said it had not exonerated Trump, but had revealed Senator's failure to show moral courage. In November, Trump will become the first impeached president to run for re-election. He has always denied wrongdoing in his communications with Ukraine. Meanwhile, the process of selecting a Democrat challenger to take on Trump got off to a rocky start on Monday, after inconsistencies in reporting caused a delay to Iowa's caucus results. As of Thursday morning, 96% of Iowa precincts had reported their results, putting candidate Pete Buttigieg ahead with 26.2% of the state's delegate count. He is trailed closely by Bernie Sanders on 26.1%. Elizabeth Warren is placed third with 18.2%. Party officials are yet to reveal when they believe the complete results will be announced. Republicans have been quick to jump upon the chaotic start to the Democratic nomination. Writing on Twitter, Trump's campaign manager, Brad Pascal, described the situation as a Democratic Party meltdown, adding, they can't even run the caucus and they want to run the government. In UK news, the Prime Minister has said there is no need for the UK to follow EU rules as he sets out Britain's position in the forthcoming trade talks. Following the UK's exit from the EU last week, the country has entered an 11-month transition period, during which the government will attempt to secure a comprehensive trade deal with the bloc. A clash over regulatory alignment between the UK and EU is already shaping up to be a significant point of conflict between the negotiating teams. In a speech in London on Monday, Boris Johnson said the UK would be seeking to secure a free trade agreement similar to Canada's when the talks begin in March. Under the EU-Canada trade agreement, most goods are exempt from import tariffs, but the flow of services is much more restricted. The Prime Minister's claim that the UK would secure a free trade deal without accepting EU rules has been challenged by the bloc's chief negotiator, Michel Barnier. In a speech in Brussels, Barnier said the EU was ready to offer the UK a highly ambitious trade deal which included zero tariffs and zero quotas. However, Barnier insisted this offer would be hinged upon Britain's willingness to agree to specific and effective guarantees to ensure fair competition with the EU single market. 
Any goods entering the EU would also need to comply with its standards and would be subject to regulatory checks, Barnier added. A police officer who began a relationship with a woman he arrested has been jailed. Michael Luckett arrested the woman following a crash in Warrington in January 2019 and designated her as vulnerable during the investigation. When the woman later contacted Luckett on Facebook, he was ordered by his bosses to cease contact. However, he did not obey the order and instead began a sexual relationship with her. A subsequent investigation by Cheshire Police's Professional Standards Department led to him being charged with misconduct in public office. Luckett resigned from the force and admitted the charge, receiving a jail sentence of 12 months for the offence. His personal behaviour was totally inappropriate for a serving police officer, Detective Chief Inspector Alison Ross said. Ofcom has credited Greta Thunberg with boosting the number of 12 to 15-year-olds taking part in online activism. The so-called Greta effect is said to have been inspired by the teenage climate activist's work and has seen a rise in the proportion of young people getting involved in environmental and political causes. Almost a fifth of 12 to 15-year-olds showed their support for a cause by sharing or commenting on online posts last year, and one in 10 signed an online petition. The figures were collected in Ofcom's annual survey on children's media use. The survey also revealed that the age by which children become digitally dependent has fallen, with 50% of 9- and 10-year-olds now owning a smartphone, up from 30% in 2015. The Welsh Government is considering raising taxes in order to cover the increasing costs of caring for elderly and disabled people. A consultation on potential reforms to social care in Wales is due to begin this summer. The government spends around £1.2 billion on adult social care each year in Wales, with costs expected to grow between £30 million and £300 million by 2023. If you want dignity, if you want quality in the care that's provided to people of all ages, you have to find a way to fund that, Health Minister Vaughan Gething said. Funding raised through increasing taxes could be spent on abolishing care fees and improving the quality and reach of social care. However, any proposed rise in income tax is likely to prove controversial as Wales approaches its National Assembly elections next year. At least 20 former members of the Jehovah's Witnesses are suing the religious group over allegations of historical sexual abuse. While the Jehovah's Witnesses say their elders comply with child abuse reporting laws, the group has a policy of not punishing alleged child sex abuse unless the abuser confesses or a second person, in addition to the accuser, witnessed the abuse. Thomas Beale is a solicitor representing some of the former members suing the group. Beale said his clients had decided to pursue compensation after asking the group for an apology, only to be met with denials and a refusal to engage. Some of those taking legal action say the Jehovah's Witnesses are vicariously liable for the alleged abuse, while others have claimed they are guilty of negligence. New research from Zoopla has revealed the biggest hotspots for first-time buyers across Britain. A study by the property website has analysed the concentration of first-time buyers who search for information on particular properties online. Carried out over three months, the research found Barking and Dagenham had generated more searches among first-time buyers than any other area of London. Outside the capital, Leicester ranked as the most popular area in the East Midlands, while Bristol came top among those attempting to get on the property ladder in the south-west. A survey of local authorities has found council taxpayers are facing major increases to their bills as councils struggle to avoid financial collapse. The latest state of local government survey revealed 97% of local authorities in England plan to raise council tax in April. 
with the same proportion also set to increase charges for services such as parking and garden waste disposal. At the same time, more than a fifth of councils said they would be forced to make cuts to their frontline services at a level noticeable to the general public and three quarters reported having no confidence that council finance arrangements were sustainable. The financial crisis facing local authorities follow years of austerity, which have seen council funding from central government cut in half. Lieutenant General David Leakey has condemned Labour's nomination of John Burko for a peerage, saying, If John Burko was given a peerage in the House of Lords, it would be a scandal which Parliament would struggle to live down. Leakey, who served as Parliament's black rod for seven years, has claimed Burko should not be awarded the title because of his behaviour towards parliamentary staff members. He has alleged the former Speaker of the House of Commons brutalised people with angry outbursts and verbal abuse and has submitted a dossier on Burko's behaviour to the Parliamentary Commissioner for Standards. Burko denies the allegations against him and has claimed he and Leakey did not work closely together. In health news... Hundreds of people were wounded after a culture of avoidance and denial enabled a rogue surgeon to perform unnecessary operations, an official inquiry has found. Breast surgeon Ian Patterson carried out hundreds of medically unjustified operations and was jailed for 20 years on charges of wounding with intent. An inquiry led by Right Reverend Graham James found Patterson was able to get away with his activities for so long due to the willful blindness of hospital staff and bosses. Patterson manipulated others to facilitate his malpractice and was able to continue to harm patients as checks on his work were not followed, James said. A further five doctors and nurses who worked with Patterson have been reported to the General Medical Council or the Nursing and Midwifery Council as a result of the inquiry. And 15 recommendations have been made by James aimed at improving regulation and reducing the risk of similar malpractice in future. The number of alcohol-related hospital admissions has risen by 60% in the last decade, according to a new report from NHS Digital. The new data shows almost 1.3 million people were admitted to hospital with a primary or secondary diagnosis linked to alcohol in 2018, a rise of 8% on 2017 and an increase of 60% on 2008. In total, alcohol-related admissions made up 7.4% of all hospital cases in 2018, and nearly half of those admitted were aged between 55 and 74. Laura Bunt of the addiction charity AdAction warned big life events such as divorce or bereavement could lead to isolation and harmful drinking. The issue was often a hidden problem among older adults, as many were drinking at home alone instead of out and socialising, Bunt added. The number of schools in England paying for professional mental health support for pupils has nearly doubled in three years. According to a new poll by the National Association of Head Teachers, NAHT, 66% of school leaders say they are now buying in professional support, up from 36% providing school-based mental health support in 2016. Head teachers said the increase in paid professional support in schools was in part down to the lack of prompt access to NHS services for children most in need. Just 4% of school leaders surveyed agreed that child and adolescent mental health services responded quickly to requests for support. NAHT General Secretary Paul Whiteman has applauded the efforts to provide support for pupils, but said they revealed another strain on the scant resources of underfunded schools. In Environment News 
The Prime Minister has unveiled plans to bring forward a ban on selling new petrol, diesel or hybrid cars in the UK. The ban was due to be introduced in 2040, but under the government's latest proposals, it will now come into force in 2035 at the latest. It follows warnings from experts who said a 2040 ban would be too late if Britain hoped to meet its net zero carbon emissions goal by 2050. Only electric or hydrogen vehicles will be available for purchase once the ban comes into effect. The announcement came as the Prime Minister attended a launch event for the COP26 summit on Tuesday. The United Nations Climate Summit is set to be hosted in Glasgow in November and will see leaders gather to assess international progress on tackling the climate crisis. Ryanair has been accused of greenwashing after the Advertising Standards Authority, ASA, banned an ad campaign claiming the airline has the lowest carbon emissions of any major European airline. Despite being named as one of Europe's top 10 carbon emitters in an EU report last year, Ryanair went on to run a campaign claiming to be Europe's lowest fares, lowest emissions airline across TV, print and radio. When questioned by the watchdog about the claims, Ryanair defended itself using a chart from 2011, data which the ASA said was of little value as substantiation for a comparison made in 2019. The watchdog has banned the campaign, ruling that the ads were misleading as a result of their unsubstantiated environmental claims. The UK's hedgehogs could be imperiled after Brexit as Britain's hedges will no longer be protected under EU law. Under existing EU agricultural rules, hedgerows cannot be cut during bird nesting season and two-metre buffer areas around them are protected from pesticide use and ploughing. These rules protect hedgerow habitats, which act as a home for 80% of woodland birds and 50% of all mammals, including hedgehogs, whose numbers have already fallen by 97% since the 1950s. According to a report commissioned by the Wildlife Trusts, RSPB and WWF, the UK's new agriculture bill, which will replace outgoing EU regulations, does not afford hedgerows the same level of protection. Unless the government starts plugging the gaps left by leaving EU regulation, our soils, hedgerows and the wildlife that depends on them are at risk, the WWF said. In entertainment news... Sam Mendes's war epic 1917 has dominated this year's BAFTA Awards, beating The Irishman, Joker and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood to win Best Film. Based on Mendes's grandfather's experiences of World War I, 1917 picked up a total of seven awards out of nine nominations, including Best Cinematography, Sound and Production Design. Mendes also became the first British winner of BAFTA's Best Director Award in 11 years. South Korean film Parasite also took home two awards for Best Original Screenplay and Film Not in the English Language, while Joker was awarded Best Original Score and Casting. Joker's lead, Joaquin Phoenix, also scooped the prize for Best Leading Actor and used his acceptance speech to lambast the BAFTA's lack of diversity. I think that we send a very clear message to people of colour that you're not welcome here. This is not a self-righteous condemnation because I'm ashamed to say that I'm part of the problem, Phoenix said. His comments follow widespread criticism over the lack of diversity of this year's BAFTAs. Often no actors or actresses of colour were nominated across the awards for major acting categories. Our facts of the week are East Hertfordshire has been named the UK's best place to live in this year's Halifax Quality of Life survey. 
The annual survey ranks areas of the UK across 26 categories, including crime rates, earnings, housing affordability and health and well-being. Halifax said East Hertfordshire had hit the top spot as a result of its strong educational results, high life expectancy and high average earnings. Recent figures from the Office for National Statistics revealed that 97% of people in East Hertfordshire reported having good or fairly good health. The area was closely followed by the Hampshire market towns of Fareham and Hart in second and third place, while Horsham in West Sussex ranked fourth. 8.6 million people called in sick to work last year because they found their jobs too painful, according to a new survey. IT company Insight, which conducted the research, said dissatisfaction over work culture, colleagues and workloads were to blame. However, the survey also found 37% of employees went to work despite genuine sickness. Many respondents said this was because they could not afford unpaid sick leave, while others said they did not want to feel judged by their employer. The findings pointed to serious issues within organisations' culture, Insight claimed. 400,000 people worldwide signed up to this year's Veganuary movement. The UK-based group has organised an annual campaign aimed at getting people to try a vegan diet for the month of January since 2014. A Veganuary spokesperson said this year's record level of sign-ups had exceeded all our expectations. We applaud everyone who took part and encourage them to continue eating vegan food as often as possible, they added. And finally, police in southwest Wales have cracked the case of a missing cow by using DNA profiling to identify the animal. A farmer in St Clair's Carmarthenshire complained to police following the disappearance of a £3,000 cow from his fields. Police began to suspect a neighbouring farmer after the complainant was able to point out the stolen animal among the other man's herd. Using blood samples from the disputed animal, police were able to compare its DNA profile to cows from the complainant's farm, proving a familial link. The cow was eventually returned and the thief was fined £4,000. We are proud to be the first force in the UK to use a cow's DNA in a criminal case and will continue to use innovative methods to get justice for victims, the Dufford Powell's police said. That's it for this week. If you enjoyed that, then do please rate, review, subscribe and tell your friends. We'll see you next time. Bye bye.